classes. Um, I did mops for like eight or nine years. I'm kind of obsessed with mops. <laughs> and it's just one of the biggest highlights of my mothering career was being in mops. That when I had my first child, I had a lady from the church who came and asked me if I wanted to be on the steering team. And I'm like, I don't even know what mops is, so let's fill me in here. And I started it, and it was just such an encouragement to me. So I'm excited to be here and see you all today. So I have an uh, almost 12-year-old and a son and an 8-year-old daughter. And I am married to Nathan. Um, i trying to think what else we want to say. I homeschool. Um, and I attend here at Tate Bible Chapel. So I know a lot of these mentor moms, and so you're really, really blessed to have these ladies in your lives um, to encourage you in your mothering season. I am Kristen Bankson. Um, I was invited um, 10 years ago by this lady when we first moved to Cape. <laughs> when we first moved to Cape Girardeau. Um, I have four kiddos. My oldest will be 14 in a couple weeks. Um, and then I have a, hold on, I gotta stop and think, 11 year old boy. So my 14 year old's a boy, 11 year old boy, 9 year old girl, and a 5 year old girl. So my baby just went to kindergarten this year. And so it's a whole new season of life for me as well. Um, I, all my kiddos go to Jackson schools. Um, and so this has kind of been a new season for me of finding who I am as a mom without kids in the home. Hi. Oh. She's married to Nathan as well. <laughs> and I'm married to Nathan as well. <laughs> so, uh, my name's Sarah Tushoff. Um, my Nate and I have been married almost 15 years ago, May. Um, we have three kids, 11-year-old girl. She is sixth grade in the middle school at Jackson. And then I homeschool my other two, eight-year-old girl, and she's in third grade. And a little guy, he's six and he's in kindergarten. It's lots of fun. Mops. Okay. Yes. I got invited by Mops and she um, told me to come and really, even though she was inviting me and pressuring me to come, all that good stuff, I probably wouldn't have come if it wasn't for my mom. Um, she helped out for a long time up with the children up there and so she made it a little bit more comfortable. I had a lot of separation anxiety with my kids, <laughs> so lots of crying. Um, she made that better, but I loved coming. It was a good break um, to look forward to every month. Hi, I'm Ann Osborne, and I started MOPS when my youngest was nine months, and he will be 14 this month. So I did MOPS for 10 years. Um, I'm married to Justin. We've been married 17 years. I have four kids. Um, Owen, like I said, will be almost 14 this month. And then I have a daughter who's 11, a daughter who's nine, and a son who's five. And um, I'm also a big MOPS <laughs> proponent telling telling the spreading the word so was, and we were talking that three of these girls I met through mops and we're still friends so it's pretty cool I'm Lacey Sanford I am a boy mama of three boys my oldest is 13 and a half he has to throw in that half there to, to be older um, and my youngest is eight I have a middle uh, son who's 10 uh, I've been married for 17 years in October. Um, we started MOPS when my oldest was a baby. So I was, uh, throughout the whole years of the toddlerhood, uh, we were in MOPS, and it was a blessing. Um, we homeschool, and then I teach at Classical Conversations one day a week here at Cape Bible Chapel. Hi, 
Okay, so the first question that was submitted for you all to answer is when did you find time to get together with other moms like MOPS when you graduated, especially if you homeschool? Well, there's a lot of homeschool activities. It's actually not that hard. So um, it's, it's, it's the harder job is what you're gonna say no to as far as things that are available in this area. So if homeschooling is something that's laid on your heart, um, there, there's a lot of things. There's classical conversations, or I, I meet with people every Friday. We get together every Friday and do something, a class party or a field trip or a park play date, so it hasn't been that hard. Um, since I don't homeschool, I, my recommendation would be getting plugged into a Bible study. Um, I do BSF. Um, I also do a Bible study on um, Wednesday nights here at the chapel. So, um, but I also just, when I was thinking about that question, um, it doesn't have to be necessarily an organized place. Um, us five had have continued our relationship outside of MOPS. And so, because it was so um, just useful and rich and um, like we just, we just draw strength from each other. And even this morning I call up one of these girls just for some advice and I mean it's a daily thing we just were constantly talking to each other encouraging each other um, and sometimes we just need to get away from our kids so we, we just go <laughs> meet at Panera or Starbucks or whatever so sometimes when you get older kids you can break away a little bit easier and so sometimes your Saturday grocery shopping errands turn into Target and coffee, so like you're gone for like four hours and your husband's like, wow, that took you a really long time to get groceries. <laughs> but you can milk those mama coffee dates because a lot of times it's the impromptu times when we'll be like, hey, can anybody meet up at stay or whatever? And we'll just have a cup of coffee. And so it's, that's a neat season to look forward to when you can break away a little bit easier for a few hours. How do you deal with letting each stage go, like moving on from the toddler years? <laughs> I thought about this one. This is the one that I wanted to kind of encourage you guys with. Really, when you think about stage to stage, they, they kind of blend into one another, and you just, you're out of that stage, and you're like, oh, that stage is already over with. Um, I promised I wasn't going to cry. There's a poem, I don't know, it's, a, it's an ugly cry poem, but it's talking about the last time. It's like the last time you ever bathe your kid or the last time you ever push your kid in the swing. And it happens. <laughs> it happens. And you don't even realize that was your last, last time you did it. Um, I will encourage you, though, that the teenage years, <laughs> what I'm living in right now, have been a joy because you get to see all of your labor. I mean, sometimes it's not a joy. <laughs> I gotta be transparent, but that's why you have sisters in Christ to call on when those times are like, what, are you, what am I gonna do with this mood swing? But most of the time, most of the time you get to see the fruits of what you're planning in these years. You get to have really good conversations and um, you know, they're an individual, so you get to see who's, what God is shaping them to be like. Um, and that's a neat stage to go to. So I've never been one, I'm snorting. I've never been one to hang on hang on to the baby years because um, each stage has been really a joy. But this, this time right now is the sweet spot for me. Well, I think it's all bittersweet, right? And uh, I do remember thinking when I, all my kids were just like five and under, I felt sorry for the moms who had older kids because they weren't in my stage anymore. And then now that I'm in the like five to 14 and um, I'm like, 
this is fun. I mean, way more fun than I thought it would be having older kids and watching them grow into who they are and watching them be like passionate about different things and having different deeper conversations and you can just, I don't know. So I, I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> maybe when they're high school and college, like maybe that won't be as, because now I'm looking at the people with high school and college, I'm like, I feel sorry for you. You know, you don't have grade schoolers and, and eighth graders anymore. I don't know. So the other thing I think of a lot of times is, um, I, you know, I'll look at pictures and I'll think, oh, I wish I could go back and hug five-year-old Owen, you know, and, uh, but then I think in five years I'll look, I'll, I'll, I'll wish I could go back and hug 14-year-old Owen, and so it's really just, like, embracing the season you're in for all it is, and of course it's always, it's bittersweet, everything's, those changes are, but more sweet than bitter. I enjoy them getting older. It's been fun to, uh, you know, as I, I've got an 11 year old girl, so it's really fun to talk. And, sorry, can you not hear me? It's fun to talk with her. Like, she's getting to have like real conversations and real issues. And um, it's like Anne said, it's fun to see what she's into. And we can actually go shopping together. We wear the same shoe size. So it's fun. Um, I don't know how I feel about Ethan getting bigger, but right now it's good. It's good. You said, missed the toddler. I, said, I told when we were talking about these questions, I told the girls, I said, I'm probably not one to answer this because I do find myself um, just, I loved the baby stages. I loved being pregnant. Um, and it goes so fast. And so I find myself as the mom, and I know you guys can all relate to this, when you have a mom say, oh, the... The days are long, but the years are short. And some days when you have little ones that need everything of you all the time, you're just like, if someone tells me that one more time, I'm going to slap them. <laughs> but um, I find myself, I'm that mom now because it goes so fast. And so just my, my encouragement is just really as exhausting as your days are with these little ones, just really simplify and just enjoy the beauty of being at home with them and being able to enjoy the season that you are with them. Okay, what are your favorite date night ideas? Date night, what's date night? (laughs) (laughs) So I'm gonna offer an alternative to date night. Um, And this happened probably about a couple years ago and granted, my kids sleep now, so. But my husband and I, um, he leaves for work about 7 o'clock in the morning, and so we, he wakes me up at 6, and it used to be very, very hard for me to get up at 6 o'clock. He's up about 5.30 getting ready. But from 6 to 7, we have coffee time, and that's when we'll sit in the back room and we'll talk about anything. We'll dream a lot. Um, we'll talk about, you know, just, just fun things and light things, and that has been our alternative to date night. We do do date nights, too, and they're easier to do, you know, when you have a 13-year-old who could babysit your kids at home. But, um, but if you aren't able to get out for date night a whole lot, you can carve out time that doesn't have to be at night in the evenings where you would have to get a sitter. That's been precious time for us. It's been sleep that I've lost, but it's been time that I've gained with my husband. I was going to say, we do something similar, only ours is at night. So like we'll stay up an extra hour after we put the kids to bed and just, yeah, just talk or, yeah, so... We don't always get out to date night, but 
One thing that my parents did, um, and I did not grow up with a lot of money at all, and so my parents really didn't have the money to do this, but they found it very necessary in their relationship every Friday night. They just went out. And it might have not have been dinner. It might have just been they drop us off at grandma's house so they could just go back home, you know, and just have a conversation. But I would encourage you, and my husband, I have not been the best at this, like an, on a weekly basis, but once a month we budget that in our budget that we make it a priority that if, if it's not, because, I mean, let's be realistic, I have four kids, we just, and they're all busy in things, and so we can't do it every week, but at least one night a month to budget that and go out to dinner, go, I, I don't have anything fun to share with you because we're not really fun people. I mean, we usually just do dinner and go to, you know, Lowe's or Menards. Or, I mean, that's kind of where we find ourselves, but it doesn't matter what you do as long as you're doing it together, right? So um, just make sure that's a priority of budgeting that in your budget. You've been awfully quiet. I feel like you need to talk. I'm going to stay that way. It's safer. <laughs> I don't have anything to add to that. So. Okay, so what will you do without our crazy mom time? What hobbies do you do? What activities? What do we do when the kids don't need us as much so that we still have purpose? I run. <laughs> That's what I do. I, um, and I've, ta I've shared this with some other moms before. I have always felt like self-care is so important. And mo as moms, we let, that's the first thing we let go. We take care of everyone else, but we don't take care of ourselves. And so, um, so throughout the years of all my little ones, my husband has been so supportive of making sure I have that time. And sometimes he's like, you're a little irritable. You need to go for a run, you know? Um, making sure that I have that time because you need that. It may not be running. It may just be going for a walk. It may just be going, walking around Target for 30 minutes. Like you need something for self-care. So um, I think that's important. And having a goal, like make goals for yourself of like, what do you want to do? Um, you know, it could be reading five novels in a year or whatever it is. Um, make goals for yourself and write them down, put them where you can see them so that you stick to them. Well, I just think that with every season, you know, you have more time or more, you know, with every season. Okay, what am I? You know, you just look at where you are in life and evaluate what your free time looks like and what you can fit in. So sometimes you have a lot of time to invest in a hobby, and other times you're just investing in your kids, and that's valuable too. So I guess I feel like I'm constantly kind of reevaluating. Like, I feel a little empty as far as I've not done anything creative lately. So maybe, you know, what can I look at our schedule and what I have time and money for and what, what can I do? So I think it just really changes over every season so you just have to be constantly thinking and it's okay to put the effort into self-care or put the effort into doing something creative or hobbies just because it does make you a better mom sometimes so fills you up okay strong-willed kids any tips for managing the tantrum sassy mouth and disobedience and does it get better Ooh, i said i wanted to answer this one um but other people can too. Uh, of course, you know, consistency and everyone's personalities are different. I have four and they're all so different. Two of them are s like super uh, strong-willed. But 
I heard at a conference once, and it's really stuck with me, and it's kind of changed my outlook with how I deal with my like strong-willed ch children, and that is, um, it's not that they're strong-willed, it's that they're weak-willed, because a strong-willed person can say no to self. A strong-willed strong person can wait 10 minutes before they get the cookie or whatever. A strong-willed person can see the needs of others first. So your children, it's not that they're strong-willed, it's that they are really weak-willed, and you have to look at it like a muscle. So um, what they described it as, instead of looking at your child who feels so defiant as like you two going like, you know, head to head, think of it as their muscle is, is weak and you're wanting to come alongside them and teach them how to strengthen their will because a strong-willed person it can be it can be selfless and can be patient. So, I kind of changed how I parented a little bit as far as um, you know a situation comes up, a lot of role playing, like they they didn't respond the right way. So after they've calmed down, because you cannot reason with them when they're I, when their brain whatever that part of the brain is going, you know they're upset. You got to wait for them to calm down. When they're calm down, then. We do a lot of role playing. Okay, let's talk about that again. Next time I say you need to do this, this is what you need to say, and then practice doing it. Like we'll, we'll like rewind our steps and like, okay, it's time to go now and brush our teeth. Okay, mom, you know. Um, so, so that was one of the tips that I heard at this conference, and it's really changed again. Like I said, how I look at my kids is when I think they're strong-willed, it's actually that they're weak-willed, and that I need to help them strengthen that and just coming alongside them as opposed to butting heads with them. <laughs> I feel like, obviously I'm not here to give any advice, just to encourage you because of all the fails that I have. So there are sweet little answers of all their cute, their dates and their things. And the, let me just tell you stories so that you can feel better about yourself as a mother. That's why I'm here. So my oldest is super strong-willed and stubborn. And every time I see someone on a forum or something ask about like potty training their kid and my kid's so good, I'm like, literally my son would not poop on the toilet till he was almost five. I, and I tried starting at like two, like we all, you know, young. And I really thought this, he's never, he's gonna poop in his pants for the rest of his life. And I have <laughs> failed my first child. He would hold it to where his stomach, I mean, I know at least somebody in this room can relate. He would stand <laughs> in the corner and be like, <laughs> and I would be like, do you need to poop? No, do you need to poop? <laughs> oh, I'm not the one with my face turning red, shaking, and like, why? Four and a half, five, that's when he, and people ask, what should I do to get him to go? Stop. You cannot force another human to poop or eat. You can't. You can't. You can do things to encourage it, help facilitate it. But they're not going to poop or eat until they choose to poop or eat if they are truly stubborn. I mean, it just, you're going to, it's going to crush your spirit. You're going to come out on the other side, maybe a little different, like me today. It was rough. Um, another thing, he would slam his head on the floor over and over again. Um, he's, he, I feel like he's kind of normal now, so I feel like I should say that. That's the whole point, is when you're in those moments where you're like, why are you slamming your head on the floor over and over? Because you're like, this isn't normal. Are you going to keep... That was my repeating question when my son was young was, is this who you are as a person? Is this what you're going to keep doing? He was so stubborn. When we would try to leave 
uh, the nursery, at church or mops or whatever, he never wanted to leave with me. And so, I mean, which that's not a good sign either. He would literally hide under the train table because he loved it, which is good. But I knew any time, this is why I didn't want my kid to bring my kids today. I'm like, he can't hear. Um, he really, he is an amazing kid. I love him so much. And he, um, But he, I knew any time we were going to leave somewhere, there was going to be a huge meltdown. He was, uh, and then you get embarrassed, right? You, because you can't control the toddler and you can't reason with them. So I dreaded every time if we went to a friend's house, when I had to be like, okay, let's get our shoes on. I mean, you just have to swoop them up and go at that point because there was, there's no like, oh, well, you know, we can come back. There's no reasoning, like, at all. And so once you just realize that you can't reason, but you can role play and practice and do things, practice those times when you, you know, you're a little bit more mentally sound to, like, practice the leaving process and endure that. But it, it does, there are just those moments that, I mean, I just remember dreading them because they were so hard. Um, but it gets better. That's my point. That's my point. He doesn't do those things now. So isn't that good? Um, I was trying to think if there were any other things that, with the strong-willed, I just, I just remember being mortified a lot of the time. You know, he would not leave places, and my mother would say, you know, you love all the advice, it just, just keep going, just walk. He'll eventually, he'll see that you're leaving. I'm like, I do that, he doesn't care. I literally, I remember him laying on the floor upstairs of the church, walking out of the building, and he never followed me. He, oh, you're all gonna think my child hates me. He really does love me. But he just, he, and what it all boiled down to is he wanted to win the battle. And it was every day, it was all day, and they just have to learn you're not going to win the battle. But it gets hard when it's day after day after day, they wear down on you. And um, I think just trying to be intentional in just practicing the you're not going to win the bet is consistent, um, that it does pay off over time. I mean, now that he is older and 11, I mean, I feel like he still has the elements of the strong-willedness, but he is very sweet, and he's learned some self-control, um, and learned how a lot of it is handling emotions. You know, when they're two, it's really hard to handle your, I mean, I'm, won't tell you how old I am, but I have a hard time handling my emotions. So when you look at your little toddler, it's even harder for them. And so as they grow and mature, you don't have to be like me and be like, is this what you're going to be like for the rest of your life? I can't imagine this. Um, it does get better. It does. So add one more thing because that was great advice for both of you guys but just be humble too because if you think you don't have a strong willed child you 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 might be doing really great with your first or your second born or your third born and then your fourth one is the strong willed one so just be humble because if you're watching other parents and you're like mm, I wouldn't that's not you know my my kid wouldn't act like that eh, that will bite you in the butt because usually about middle child you get the strong willed one so just be humble with one another and offer a lot of grace um, in your parenting journey with other friends. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what have you found to replace Mop's connection? I feel like we're just still in Mop's. Are we not still in Mop's? <laughs> but it's called like Mott's or something, Moms of Teens or something. I don't know. We just It's just a continuation of this. I mean... For me, it is. It's just a continuation of the friendships that you've, you've had. I, I miss Deb's crepes, 
um, at MOPS, and I was counting on that this morning, but <laughs> anyway, um, the next time. <laughs> the, yeah, it's just a continuation. Sorry. It's all right. No. Yeah, that's all I have to say. It feels like it's just, yeah. I mean, I think you still have to carve out some time or try to be the friend that you need. Usually if you're a friend to someone, they'll be a friend back. So still carving that out, that time, and um, small groups, church, making, trying to get, I mean, you just, sometimes you have to put yourself out there to, to make the connections and keep them. This kind of goes along with the other question um, that y'all answered. So I'll just add a little bit. I think, um, like, I don't have any one thing to replace mobs, but I do think that y if you want that, you do have to be intentional to just carve that out and find it where you can. And the question, I didn't answer that one either about, um, you know, how do you find time to connect with people, especially if you homeschool? It's hard. Like, I feel, even though I'm in a different season and I felt like I had no freedom when my kids were little, I still feel like I don't um, because I have just chosen to consume my time. My kids are always with me, is my point, still. And so it does give you a little bit more freedom in the fact that they're older and, you're, they're, you know, if you leave them with your husband or whatever, you, you may have a little bit more flexibility in that. But I'm just honestly saying that in our home, I don't, and it's just a sacrifice that I've had to count the cost of. And um, it is hard, but every time you say yes to one thing, you say no to another. And every time you say no to one thing, you can maybe say yes to another. So that's just is what it is with the season I'm in. So I don't feel like I have a lot of free time, but I try to just be intentional in the time that I do have. If my kids are in an activity for an hour, you know, I can be intentional to maybe meet with someone else and spend time with them. Um, Anne had said this about friendship. You know, if you want friends, be a friend. I gave y'all um, that list of different resources of just books that I love and have been a blessing to me. Um, this Messy, Beautiful Friendship has been one of the most encouraging friendship books that I have ever read. Um, it, it just highlights the fact that as if you're a Christian, as a Christian, friendship looks different for Christians. Um, the purpose of friendship for a Christian is not self-serving. Um, it is to pour into someone else. And we all know that in God's economy of things, everything is flipped. So when you end up pouring into someone else, you actually, that is when you truly feel loved and like you have a friend. Um, so that is uh, my advice as far as cultivating and building friendships what you want to put time into is what you're, you're going to get what you put in, you know. So I'm going to give this away. We're going to do a drawing. I brought one for you. <laughs> but it's so good. I do recommend you reading it. And I would recommend you just inviting some friends. And maybe you could meet once a week or, or whenever. Um, when I was in y'all season, I would just try to go to the library or the nature center. We, I walked the mall all the time with my kids in strollers. And so I feel like... For me, since I don't have freedom in my time yet, you just are constantly adjusting to just get it in the way you can with what you are doing. So, I just want to add, too, because we realize that there's a great percentage of you that probably will not homeschool, that may not be laid on your heart. Um, but in, in some of us are introverts, some of us are extroverts. And so, um, like what I have found, I am an extrovert, so it's not hard for me. Like I will talk to a wall and make a friend with the wall. And so that's not hard for me, but um, I, um, whether it's, in my, my, my four children are in three different schools, so I have found myself trying to be more involved in their school, meeting um, other moms that maybe aren't just like me or maybe even have the same 
beliefs or, you know, faith or whatever, just really pouring yourself into other people that may not look like you too, um, because there's, there can be richness in that as well, so. Okay, how do you handle electronic devices? We just had a crackdown at our house, to be honest with you, because I have two boys, two girls. My girls kind of could care less about electronics, um, but my boys, uh, if you give them unlimited time, they will take every minute of unlimited time with, with any kind of screens, not just handheld devices or whatever. So um, for us, we had to crack down and they get 45 minutes um, because nowadays they have Chromebooks at school, so I feel like they are constantly being bombarded by screens. And so they have to, as soon as they get home from school, they have to have outdoor time, creative time if it's raining outside or whatever before they even get 45 minutes of whatever freedom that they want, so. Same here on the crackdown thing. I, my oldest, a um, little bit before December, lost his phone entirely. Made some big, big mistakes on that, um, which is humbling too. But let me tell you what's happened since then. Since then, he's played the guitar. He's shot baskets outside. He's drawn a lot more. Um, we've had a lot more deeper conversations. He was relieved when I took that phone away from him. It was almost like um, just that weight that he was carrying on him when it was exposed. He, he, he downloaded a game that we did not agree with him playing with. It was a Call of Duty game on, on an app. And so that's, that's the whole gist of why he got his phone taken away. He was being dishonest with uh, what we had allowed him to do. So he, has, he was relieved when he found out about it when I found out about it and we discussed it, I feel like um, it, it just felt like it was a chain that was on him that had been cut loose. So I will um, encourage you guys, like with little ones, I know it's easy to hand them a phone or an iPad to kind of help pacify some time, um, but when you take that phone away from them, when you're driving down the road, they'll look at the trees more or they'll talk to you more. Um, the conversations that we've had in the car with him riding co-pilot, you know, has been richer because he, he doesn't have that phone that he's got the earbuds in right now. Um, he, he knows that he'll earn his time back um, when he proves more responsibility, I guess, with it. Um, but I don't think that, I think now that, um, that he's not had it in his life for, you know, almost a month, I think he's, he's going to honor it a little bit better. Um, so for the little bitty ones, if, if you're talking about screen time with the little bitty ones, I know it's an easy outlet to hand them that phone, but just I would encourage you guys to just try to think of other ways to, to keep them involved and engaged. I just think technology is like one of the most complicated issue facing parents right now and like how to navigate that and what's the rules and everyone's family looks different and um, I tend to be pretty strict too because my boys especially because and I know that boys brains are wired differently and it seems like that seems to be more of a draw or addiction quickly for them especially so I'm pretty strict but um, I've, with littles I'm all about using the screen time as a tool like like you save it for that moment and you're waiting in the doctor's office or something. So I'm always like, don't use it when it's easy and you're at home and you could be playing, you know, like really use it when it's like necessary to pass that really hard time. Otherwise make them use their brains and do something and play and all that kind of stuff. So 
I don't know if I have really good advice, but other than just try hard to say no as much as possible, make them do other stuff. It's just so addicting. For my 14 or almost 14 year old, I mean, that's abnormal that he doesn't have a phone anymore, but it's okay to be abnormal and go against the crowd. So be strong enough to be abnormal on certain things. And talk a lot about as they get older, be sure to talk about, you know, like what, what they put in there, what they see with their eyes, they're putting into their heart, and eventually that's going to affect them. And I always am telling them, the internet does not care who you're becoming. <laughs> you have to care for yourself. And um, just be, especially with my teenage son, like just talking about pornography and addiction. And, you know, it's the sad reality is like he will see something, whether he's trying not to or not, or whether he wants to or not. I mean, he's at school. He goes to eighth grade. I homeschool my other kids. Um, and so just walking through again role playing like what's going to happen if when you do see that what can you say how can you turn away also it's important to like you know with evan my oldest i want him to come to me and say hey i messed up instead of oh i'm not going to tell my mom because i messed up and so that relationship we'd already built when we were he was really young he he has enough trust in me to know that he could come to me and i'm not going to be like totally freaking out because you know i've messed up too we're all sinners so I want that relationship where when, when they mess up, they come to me and say, hey, how do I get myself out of this? So, Boy, one Other good advice is just start now not letting them do it in their rooms. Yes. Always be in a common area. That's just a great way to keep each other accountable. We covered it. <laughs> just say no as long as possible. <laughs> okay, what are some ways you teach your little ones about God and biblical truths in your day-to-day -day life? I can, I can talk about this one. Um, a lot of times when they were little, like little, little, like maybe two or three-ish, um, I would try to incorporate it, and I still do, I catch myself doing this because I got in the habit of doing it, but I would try to incorporate, like, we'd be driving along and see, like, pretty clouds, and I'd be like, oh, didn't God make some beautiful clouds today? Or if something, like, really good happened during the day, and I was like, oh, isn't that a blessing from Jesus? And so I would just really try to incorporate just daily talk in our lives to point it back to him. Is this, and that was the other question about like uh, devotions and stuff. And so we would all, we do our devotions at night because my husband gets up really early in the morning and leaves. So he's not there. So we'll, um, we all get on our bed to get all my husband and I's bed together and um, read the Bible together and talk and stuff. And um, it's just been good because now you can see as they get older, you can see it in their language too, as they reflect on, oh, God did this for me today. Um, I really like hanging out with two and three and four year olds because they are the only people that laugh at me. And so one of the fun ways to do Bible stuff with them is to act out the stories. I did that a lot when my kids were smaller and I do it with my Sunday school class. And they love it. And I think that when you act it out and you put on a costume, I mean, it doesn't have anything fancy. I mean, just something silly. You remember things like that. And it's fun. And um, so that's kind of just a fun, practical way to teach Bible truths to your kiddos? So since we were talking about big fails, Brooke, <clears throat> can you each you give an more? example yeah, of a memory go. you have of a flaming okay. fail? Yes, let's do this. This is what I'm here for. 
Okay, where do I start? Okay, how much time do we have? No, I'm just kidding. Um, so what, I think it's funny because we live in an age with internet and everything. All of us moms, like I feel like we are inundated with information. Like how, I, I envy moms of times past where ignorance kind of was bliss. Like you couldn't sit and research everything. I am thankful for that because there are things I have found out that I needed to find out and diagnosed on my own. Just going to throw that in there. But sometimes it can be too much information. So this is an example. You know, you read all these, back to the potty training, all the ideas and the things you can do. I read this idea because, again, obviously I was stressing about the potty training. And it was the idea that, you, you know, you reward them if their underwear is dry. So I was trying to encourage Landon in the beginning to, you know, I'd give him a little M&M if his underwear would dry, and then all of a sudden he came up and said, touch me right here and give me candy. And I said, <laughs> no, no, that's not how that went in my mind when I read that information. You cannot go to Sunday school and tell the Sunday school teacher to touch you right there and give you candy. That, that is not, not how I thought that. So think things through. So another example to kind of go along the lines, also a thing to learn about my children is if there is something completely terrible they could say in front of other people to humiliate me, they're going to. I don't even know how they come up with it. So that's one example. And then um, another parenting tactic I had, you know, I try to take my kids down a road of thinking things that they don't want to deal with, so let me play this out for them. So back to my son who was constantly constipated because he held his poop in all the time. I would have to give, well, let me back this up. So my daughter is in church, her class. Thankfully, the teacher knows me, uh, or maybe that's not a good thing. And she was asking them, what's something you fear? Because God can make you, you know, not fear. Anytime my kids' hands go up, I'm just like, oh, don't. I wasn't present for this. She told me later. And my daughter says, mm, I'm scared of someone sticking something up my butt. Does it get worse? Does it get worse than that? No. You want to know why she said that? Your brother was constipated all the time. I had to stick glycerin suppositories up his bottom. Do you want to have to have a glycerin suppository? Do not hold your poop in. You have to go. That translated into her telling the teacher she was scared of someone sticking something. No. I was like, oh, please let me tell you the rest of that. I, my daughter did go on to kind of explain. But so, I mean, I could go on. I could write a book. I'm a, it's just bad up at the bowling house. But that's just a couple. I'll see if anybody else has anything to contribute. No? Mm. Oh, no. I, I was just thinking, I mean, I have a list of parenting fails. And I think what's important in, in all of that is the aspect of grace giving yourself grace in all your fails it took me a long time because i'm such a type a perfectionistic personality it took me a long time probably three kids before i could give myself grace and um it's surrounding yourself with these sisters that you that god has placed you uh with um to really just like sharpen one another and you know we share our parenting fails with each other all the time. And it's like, we draw strength from, oh yeah, we've been through that before. Or, oh, I'll tell you how we've dealt with this. And I mean, it's just, those are nuggets of God's blessings in these, these friendships. Um, because we, I mean, let's be honest, we're all going to fail because we are sinners and, um, and we're imperfect and we're going to parent imperfectly. Um, and so, I mean, I, like, like she said, I could write a book of all the don't do's, 
okay? But um, what I will tell you to do is give yourself grace in that. Yeah, and to kind of piggyback off that, um, it's not going to go the way you think. <laughs> like, I just thought, I, I never thought parenting was going to be so hard. <laughs> I guess, I don't know. So, yeah, I fail all the time, and give yourself grace. And don't be afraid to apologize to your children. So, and parenting fails, I don't know. I'll see my second knocked out of her front tooth when I was like one foot away when she was 19 months. So we went six years without a front tooth. So if that happens to your kid, don't worry about it. They'll get, they'll just look like hockey smile for a while. Um, yeah, I mean, we've had kids leave the library and me not know it, being three out on the parking lot. So there's, uh, like, you're just going to mess up. They're going to say things. You're going to lose your temper. Uh, you know, just apologize. Uh, we always say, like, I'm sorry or whatever. Will you forgive me and fresh start? We always add fresh start, like, the end, like, so... I'm kidding. I'm not going to give you any more stories, but uh, just Kristen uh, talking about just giving yourself grace. Uh, the great thing about parenting is, one, it's sanctifying. That's what the Lord uses to grow you more into the image of Christ because children are sanctifying. <laughs> and um, he, and uh, it, it is humbling. I mean, it just, you're never, I mean, I don't know. I don't think you're ever going to get to the point where you're like, I'm so good at this. It's not, I mean, it. I can't imagine getting to that point. Um, and I gave you guys like a list of just scripture that I think is encouraging as a mom, um, but I don't know that I put this one on here, but I think that a verse that we need to think about as mothers is in 2 Corinthians 12, that it, where it says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses. Um, and so we don't need to be ashamed. I, 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 confessional time, I can't tell you how many times I've gone and just cried in my room and my, shut the door, and my kids are like, Mommy, are you okay? <laughs> yeah, totally fine. Because we fail. And, uh, you know, you got to have that moment to cry, but to realize, you know, God knows that we're going to fail. We are weak, and that is his opportunity to show his power and to show just the miraculous things that he can do in our kids' hearts that we cannot do. Um, and, and the other thing that I was going to say that is great about parenting other than the sanctification is it gives you a constant opportunity to present the gospel to your children because every time you need those moments of grace, you can go to your children and say, you know what, mommy's a sinner, and... I do not deserve God's salvation. I am not perfect. I'm never going to be perfect. If I were perfect, Christ would not have had to die on the cross for me or you or anyone. No one is perfect. And um, that's why we need Jesus because he is the only perfect person who has ever lived. God is the only perfect parent. Um, so that is the blessing about parenting. You have Every day you can present the gospel to your children because you have those grace moments of all those failures. A book that is good to echo what Brooke said is uh, Paul Tripp's parenting book, and it's talking about when we fail and when they fail, that um, 
you know, we need to see it as an opportunity to point them to Jesus. I mean, it's, it's just, instead of looking at, like, oh, I've got to deal with this now, or I've got to deal with this discipline issue, or this fail, um, it's just an opportunity to, to point out the gospel. So, that we all fall short, and new morning mercies. How about um, a couple quick practical things? So, what is your best quick dinner? Tacos, 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 or Little Caesars pizza. <laughs> okay, how about a uh, best housekeeping hack? Get your kids to help as early as possible, and then as they get older, then all of a sudden, you know, your 14-year-old does his own laundry, and when it's time to clean the house, the daughters clean their bathroom, and I clean my bathroom, and my son cleans the downstairs. I don't know. Get them to help. Share the load. Yeah, I, that's what I was going to say. I also make them help when they fight. So if they start fighting and stuff, I'm like, I guess you guys need to clean. So. I keep a whole lot less things in my house so that the pickup is not really hard. I'm kind of a minimalist, so if we, don't, we don't have a whole lot of extra stuff to, to deal with. So. What is one mom chore you would forever outsource if you could? Laundry. We have six in our family, and it's daunting. I do it, and I, and I know everybody does it differently, um, but what has always worked for me is just one day. I just, Mondays, actually Sundays is all the wash, and Mondays is all the fold. Tuesday, typically, that doesn't get pulled away, put away till Tuesday. But like they said, um, having your kids take responsibility. They can put their clothes, they can put their socks in their underwear and their pants, you know, everything but hang-ups, they can put that away at three and four years old. That's not rocket science. That's not hard. Um, that constant teaching and training, having them do things. And it also makes them feel like part of the family, like they're doing something. They want to please you at this age, so enjoy this stage because they want to please you versus when they're teenagers and they wonder where their underwear is. And it's like, well, have you done your laundry? You know, so um, just having them be working when they're little. Slave drivers, that's what we are. <laughs> a practical tip for that is I bought them each a really small laundry basket, and so when it comes out, of the, we wash all of our clothes all together, but when it comes out of the wash and I throw it on the bed, then they each have their own laundry basket, and it's their job to go and grab their own stuff. Um, I've got two are real similar in size, and so my, what I scream out to them is, you better come and get the stuff before your brother steals your socks, your favorite socks or whatever, because they, you know, they all wear the same kind of socks and stuff like that. So they run and they, they grab, and then it's up to them when once their basket is full of the clean clothes to, to deal with putting it away, you know, in a timely manner. So that's what we do. What do you do to us? They know better. <laughs> <laughs> I give them the evil eye. They just do it. That's just part of their chore. Laundry is one of the things that they're responsible for. Um, they do get, we get commission, you know, a little bit. We have family chores where we help out, but then they also earn money by doing certain chores. Laundry is not one of the ones that they earn money for. Um, so they just know they have to do it. Usually they have to do it before they use the metal. Yeah. Yeah, they have, yeah. Yeah. Well, we can kind of piggyback off of that. How do you handle toddler discipline? Because I have four and they're all very different personalities, um, time, we had a timeout chair and it was, 
I had two that didn't like to be isolated. So the timeout chair worked for them. The other two, other things worked for. Um, and so I think it's just really knowing your kid and like what hurts them. What, what is it that's going to get their attention? And for my children that are my extroverts and they're also your strong-willed, they don't wanna be isolated. And so the timeout chair worked for them. Um, and when they get up, you put them right. I mean, it's that consistency. And everything we do as moms, it's consistency. And so um, I think it's just knowing your kid and what works for them. Yeah, they got to know that you're not giving in. So you've got to be more stubborn than they are. So yeah, like Kristen said, um, I did timeouts for some. I took stuff away from others. Just depended on what got their attention. Of course, it depends on the age. So when they're really little, like one, you're distracting, you know, and then as they get older, um, and the more, uh, just that, like, letting them calm down <laughs> before you try to just give a quick lesson, like, next time this is what's expected, or you are in this because you didn't do this. Short, little, not long, drawn-out explanations. So not that you need another recommendation for a book. This is a podcast. Um, there's a podcast called Celebrate Calm, and it's a really good thing to listen to like you know if you're doing your laundry or whatever it's easy to work in podcasts I feel like rather than read books but anyway the celebrate calm guy um what I like about him is it's like practical things that he tells you to do like there's a whole list of podcasts and if you have an issue you could probably listen to it on there um but with the discipline thing like they said consistency I think is very important but a lot of it is not uh responding instead of reacting to it so if you're in a situation you think about like when you lose your cool it's usually when your toddler's throwing a fit and you're embarrassed and maybe you're out in public or you've got friends around so um you know it's again back to being humble about it but you you need to like forget about everything else that's going around in that moment and realize you're dealing with you and your toddler and so you've got to respond instead of react over the situation that's going on because um, you kind of set the tone for them. You've got to be calm if you're wanting them to be calm. So don't discipline, I guess what I'm saying is don't discipline as, like, I've got to do something because some, everybody's watching to see what's gonna, how I'm going to deal with this. You need to discipline to train your children. Okay, so wrapping up with this last question, in general, what is the ultimate advice you can give to us moms? So I'm going to ask the admin of the Mops page for permission to post uh, a, a little thing that I shared with Brooke and Kristen earlier this week. But what my advice would be is to surround yourself with women who are believers in Christ because, you know, Christ is, Christ is the answer <laughs> for me. It is. But, but these friendships are the tools. And... When you get older, you're going to realize that your circle might get smaller, but um, your motivations for friendships change over time. It's, it's more of like what Brooke said. It's, it's about uh, walking, being sanctified in Christ, um, realizing that we're not, like, we're not in a circle. We're like more like shoulder to shoulder looking at the end goal. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to post the article on the MOPS page because it's too long to share here. But th that would be my tip. Um, I was just thinking, think about what your vision is for your child. So if it's for them to, like, know the Lord and to be, like, actively 
loving and serving and growing in him. So everything kind of goes back to that. So when it's chaotic, when it's crazy, when you're making decisions for your family, where you're, you know, like just to have always that vision, you know, in the front or the back of your mind, wherever, like as you're making decisions. So. And lots of prayer. I pray. That's without that. I have to, like Kristen said, I run and I pray. And that's what gets me through most days. But yeah, just the end goal of your two-year-old's eventually going to be an adult, and you want them to be a responsible adult. You want to be an adult that is going to make this world better. And by doing that, um, just pushing them towards Jesus. So yeah, with lots of prayer. Um, I, I guess this just kind of piggybacks everything everyone is talking about. Um, some advice that I had gotten years ago um, from a, a mentor that I met when we lived in Illinois, she would always remind me, stay in your lane. Don't, it's so hard as women, and especially when we're in groups like this, it's good to share what's working for you or what's not working, but don't try to be the other person, okay? Because our families all look different. Our choices for our children are all gonna look different, and you have to do what works for you for your husband, for your children, for your family as a unit, and not try to be, I mean, because I love all four of these women, but we're all very different, and we have strengths, and we have weaknesses, and God did not create us to be the next person. So my advice would be making sure you stay in your lane, um, walking shoulder to shoulder, but yet not trying to be someone else. Very good. Um, all that was really good. I don't really have a whole lot to add other than um, my advice would be to surround yourself with people who are going to spur you on. If you are making disciples, which if you're a Christian and you have children, you're making disciples and your goal is to disciple them. Um, and it just made me think of the verse um, where Paul says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. That's all I'm trying to do is to imitate Christ and try to point them in the way, uh, my children in, in that way, um, in my imitation of him. And so that's my personal goal in, in as far as advice goes. But also, um, I thought about the verse in Titus as well um, that says, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can urge, some translations say encourage, the younger women to love their husbands and children, be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands so that no one can malign the word of God. And I, I think it's interesting how that verse says urge or encourage. Like, we need encouragement, whether you have toddlers and preschoolers or your kids are older, like, it would be very hard to live out in the middle of nowhere and not have any sort of encouragement for the things that we're going through, whether it's raising children or just living life. And the only thing that you can take to heaven is yourself and hopefully others if you share the gospel with them. And so ultimately what matters in life is the people around you and the relationships that you have. Um, and so that is my best parenting advice is, yes, pour into people and, um, that are different than you, but also for your growth, surround yourself with people who are going to encourage you in your mothering. That was so good. Thank you guys for coming, and thanks for sharing your wisdom and your stories.
Do you want to do a drawing? Yes. I have some books. Okay. So I have the messy, beautiful.